1: Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
2: Buckley Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Meads here for your Buckeye Talk preview of Ohio State and Tulsa. And I want to address right off the top one of the gravest mistakes of my career. And it's something that we're all paying for right now. And it is my declaration to know things about the other team because I just did a half hour rewatch of Tulsa, Oklahoma state. It is on YouTube. Don't watch it. <laughs> it is bad football. And I just off the top would like to tell everybody, if you look at the Tulsa, Oklahoma state store, Oklahoma state beat Tulsa 28, 23 last week. If you look at that score and think to yourself, Ooh, Tulsa. Hung with Oklahoma state. My Oh my should. No. Oklahoma State, whatever Oklahoma State's win total is for this year, take the under. That was awful football. Nathan, you're shaking your head at me. Did you watch that monstrosity as well? No offense. It's
1: awesome. I watched a few clips and no. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot you can just look at. Them. I mean, the fact that they lost to UC Davis, like what could they possibly, the fact that it was a close game in the second week told me more about actually UC Davis, I think, is a decent FCS in some ways but it told me more about Oklahoma state than it did about Tulsa.
2: That game was seven, seven 7 at halftime. Tulsa was had 14, seven in the second half. Tulsa, <laughs> Tulsa drove down and Oklahoma state tied at 14. Tulsa drives down, has to settle for a field goal in the red zone. They go up 17, 14 and they give up a kick return for the touchdown on the play after they take the lead 17, 14. So that's when Oklahoma state takes its first lead at 21, 17 and then Oklahoma state wins. Um, so I guess we'll talk about the other team. So here's the thing. A couple, couple things I gleaned from the Tulsa game. Defensively, we did, we did a video for Outrageous Predictions where all of us, unbeknownst to the other two, predicted that Ohio State – this is Buckeye Talk, by the way. Did I say that? Predict,
1: he's, predicted, he's Doug Lee Maurice. I'm Nathan Baird. He's Stephen Means.
2: The uh, – 10 podcasts a week. I, I can't, I keep, I forget which one I'm on sometimes. The thing, Use some cue cards. The thing for the thing is that the other, seriously, what was I talking about? I swear to God. Now, seriously, what was I talking about? Was you what started I started to say? talk
1: about defense. Oh, the video, Tulsa's defense.
2: We did an outrageous video where we all picked like Ohio State to run wild on Tulsa because when Ohio State has a bad game, they often circle the wagons and go back to the run game. Tulsa plays a 3 3 5. Which means they have five defensive backs on the field all the time. On fourth down, they have a stand-up rush end, so they'll have four guys in the line of scrimmage. The result of the three-three-five is that, depending what the offense does, they'll have three safeties lined up deep. Sometimes, sometimes they'll bring guys up, and you wind up with sort of only one deep safety. But it's definitely a three-three-five. Still, they like to have sometimes guys in the box a lot, but it's you know, it's uh, not uh, four defensive linemen. So there's like you know, they got to fill gaps and whatever, but. Um, they try to stop the run with that three-three-five. So it's kind of a weird thing of like they're sort of geared up. They'll bunch a bunch of bunch of, several guys up behind those three defensive linemen and try to fill gaps and sort of stop the run. And then they play a lot of off coverage. There's a lot of room underneath. Not and, and Oklahoma State threw a lot of bubbles last week. Not necessarily just underneath for bubbles, but just like for those nice ten to twelve yard out routes and stuff like that that we see with Ohio State. So their personnel is to stop the pass, but then they kind of dedicate themselves to the run. Steven, we know Ohio State does want to run it. That's what they want to do, but it does make me curious against that 3-3-5. They probably have an opportunity to bowl some guys over. But if there's some people in the box, I, I also think they have a chance to get the pass game going because I think Tulsa's going to be afraid of Tulsa acted like they were afraid of Oklahoma State's passing game. And this was not Brandon Wheedon. James Washington. I'm trying to think who are the other good Oklahoma State receivers that have been there through the years. They usually have a good receiver. It didn't feel like Oklahoma had anybody that was really – Oklahoma State had anybody really scary, and Tulsa was still kind of scared of their pass game. So I don't know, Stephen. We make our predictions based on what Ohio State wants to do because Ohio State usually does what it wants to do. But I'm, I'm curious to see how the Buckeyes actually wind up attacking this 3-3-5.
0: Ohio State has a chance to get back to what it does best on offense, and that's pounded up the middle, pounded up the middle, a couple outside zone runs, deep shot 40 yards down the field. Because when you're playing a 3-3-5, three, three, sometimes it can let your offensive linemen get to that second level a little quicker and also let your running backs run wild a little bit. And then those defensive backs, all five of them might start creeping up, and then all of a sudden Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, or Chris Olave is open deep. So... The first two weeks haven't looked like that so far this season. They've kind of been setting up deep shots with short passes and sprinkling in the run. They can kind of get back more to the power run game and the deep shots down the field that we have come to know under Ryan Day the last two seasons.
2: That really that really is probably it. That's a pretty good analysis of it. That it is run run and then they can't do much on that deep shot. I do, I do feel like that that might be the answer here. That it is still a a lot of runs, but more shakes loose in the past game down the field than maybe uh, we have seen in the past on uh, Tulsa offensively. Their quarterback's name is Bryn. What's his first name is it Stanley Bryn. Let me see. I'm not trying to be offensive to people by not knowing their names. I just I'm stupid. Davis Bryn. He's a red shirt junior and I Devin Gardner. I think it's the Michigan quarterback. Devin Gardner was the color analyst on that game. And he was like yelling at Davis Brin in the first half for being tentative. He was like, throw the ball. So Davis Brin is like he just he would like st- he would hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball, have a lane to escape, still hold the ball, get sacked from behind. And Devin Gardner was like, just have confidence in, your- in yourself, dude, like let it go. And he-, he wouldn't do it for a long time. So Devin Gardner, of all
0: people, is saying that.
2: <laughs> well, that's true. Devin Gardner, heck of a competitor, though. Yeah, that's fair. Like a competitor.
1: Through two games against UC Davis and Oklahoma State, Davis Brin has zero touchdowns and two interceptions. So I don't know how much confidence he actually has at this point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how much should he have? And that game was zero zero after the first quarter, but Oklahoma State had a pick six
2: off Davis Brin that was called back by a penalty away from the play. So he doesn't have a hugely strong arm. He's tentative. And Nathan – Again, this feels like a little bit of a get right game for the Ohio state defense. I think there's a chance for them to get after him up front and with blitzes or whatever, but really attack this quarterback without a lot of fear of, well, if he escapes, he's going to do something. Cause maybe you had that fear with Anthony Brown, who's a veteran at the very least. And I didn't think going into that game was great scrambling, but he, he's, he's a guy who can do a little something with his legs, at least on called runs. And then, uh, Davis Brin, I don't think is going to do that. So I, I I would imagine Ohio state needs to get after this dude.
1: We've talked before about how much this game will or will not tell us how much Ohio state has fixed its defensive problems. And I think regardless of that, the one thing that could happen from a game like this is Ohio state comes out aggressive, comes out and starts to sort of build more of an identity on defense and gets some sort of emotional lift out of that or some sort of confidence of its own out of that. And guys can start building off of that. I, I, sometimes I think that stuff is a little bit trite, but in the position that Ohio State is in, I think that probably is a little bit important because there are just so many young guys and new guys. There's some guys who need to maybe get into a lower stakes situation and pin their ears back and come after a guy and take him down and have that in the be something that helps them four, five, seven, nine weeks down the line.
2: I mean, in the first two weeks, they Ohio State did face two quarterbacks who have been around. Tanner Morgan and Anthony Brown, you know, they're not NFL quarterbacks, but they kind of knew what was up. And now they're facing the guy who doesn't know what was up. Again, advising people, don't watch Tulane, Oklahoma State. I got paid to watch it, and I didn't want to watch it. You're not getting paid. We took this for you. I owed you that, right? This was this is on me. I absorbed it. Don't watch it, but do do this. Go to uh Davis Brin's bio on the Tulsa sports page, sports website, tulsahurricane.com. I found I have a very hard time viewing Tulsa fairly because on friends, you know, those snarky jerks from the nineties. One time when I was in, one time I went to Vegas, my Senior year of college, we went instead of like spring break for senior year first at at spring break. We went at Christmas. Me and a bunch of my friends went to Vegas and it was right. It was the first year that friends was on TV. So like I'm the same age as the friends people. And we were uh, we were in like the worst casino on the strip and we were in the worst casino on the strip. And Matthew Perry was in there. We're like, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy from the show. Who's the thing? It's that guy, the guy, the thing. It's that guy. And it was like, that's how it was like, that was how new it was. Because we were in like the casino with like 75
1: cent chips. You know what I mean? Not not tortilla chips, but like. I I, I hope you're not besmirching the Imperial Palace. I love the
2: Imperial Palace. But I'm telling you, a TV star shouldn't be in there. I'm- is that where you were? Is that really where you were? That's the only place
1: we stayed in the 90s. <laughs> is the Imperial of course Palace. it was. The first like five times I went to Vegas, I stayed at the Imperial Palace. RIP Imperial Palace.
2: It's like $49 a night, but it's across the street from Caesar. It's
1: so perfect. it's like it was, perfect. it was perfect. It was everything you could want. But Matthew, there's a Denny's in the Imperial Palace. Why is Matthew Perry in the Imperial Palace? I'm fairly sure I saw. I don't remember who it was. Some other like fairly big actor walking through the Imperial Palace one time with like an entourage. So I don't know. I don't know.
2: I guarantee. Like two years later, I know Matthew Perry was not in the Imperial Palace. He was standing up Caesar's across the street. But anyway, there's a there was a, a storyline on Friends where Chandler <laughs> my my in laws would do this to my wife. My they like didn't watch uh, Seinfeld when it was on originally, so they would watch it like in 2006 on a rerun. And then my my father in law would say to my wife like. Hey, did you see the Seinfeld where this, and it's like, it's 25 years old. (laughs) It's 25 years old. So now I'm explaining plot lines from the nineties, but they had a plot line where where, where, uh, Chandler fell asleep in a meeting and got reassigned to Tulsa. And it was like, Tulsa was a stand-in for like worthless middle America, those snooty jerks in New York. So I have a very hard time like hearing Tulsa and not thinking of that snarky jerk Chandler but I would direct you to Davis Brin's bio page because in his photo, he looks like Tulsa Mark Sanchez. That like Mark Sanchez is at USC and like Mark Sanchez in college is, he's the man about town. He's throwing touchdown passes, ring-a-ding-ding, he's Mark Sanchez. And then this is like Tulsa Mark Sanchez, right? That it's like, he's got a little curly hair. I'm not making favorite. he's a handsome guy, but that's what reminds me of Davis Brin, Tulsa Mark Sanchez. So listen, Mark Sanchez ripped Ohio State's defense apart. In 2008, so maybe I shouldn't say that. All right, are we done analyzing the game? I don't think that there is a guy. Shamari Brooks is their other running back. We, I ta- I said uh, Demeric. Is it Deneric or Demeric Prince? I don't want to say it wrong because um, he's a he's a good player.
1: It's a uh, Deneric D E M R I C.
2: Deneric Prince is a guy who I said would run for 100 yards in this game. Shamari Brooks is their other back. He actually has a little scoot. I thought I thought he was interesting. He's a senior. He's a little guy. 5'8, 194. Like I'd watch out for him. There wasn't a lot else. There were some plays where Tulsa's offensive line was just like, what? And there was an Oklahoma state guy in the backfield. So it didn't feel very problematic on either side of the ball. You know, they had one of, they had the best linebacker in the country last year. Zayvon Collins, he's gone. So no offense to anybody there, but like, I think you can look at that score, Nathan, and if that's all you know, Ohio State fans, especially the Buckeyes with the defensive problems they have, you might be worried. I don't think there's anything to be worried about, Nathan. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I, I, as will be reflected in the score that I'm predicting, um, if if it's anything resembling that score, then um, I, mean, it's, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> You're, we're at like catastrophe levels if, if, if Tulsa and Oklahoma State are playing a similar score to what Tulsa and Oklahoma State did last week.
2: Steven, did you did you punish yourself and make yourself watch any Tulsa highlights this week? Were you smart enough to avoid it? I watched enough so we could do this podcast. Okay. Um, anything to add on the Tulsa side? Is there anything that we missed? I don't feel like there's a much that I'm not being dismissive. I mean, I am. I'm not being offensively dismissive. It's just real life. They've played. This is the second time they're playing Tulsa. They also played them in 2016 and they beat them like 48 to three. I think it was. So, I think we're probably in that same range again. I'm not sure why they're playing Tulsa for the second time in five years. I'd like a little variety. I like, I mean, I like different teams coming in here and, and different teams getting to come in here, right? I mean, that's cool for them. So, all right. I guess we're good. We're good on the I Tulsa mean, side.
0: Yeah. I mean, just for some fun facts, since I do a talent thing every week, they have a wide receiver, um, Sam Crawford, who played with Jackson at the Jigman High School. Is they that also right? Have- yeah, at Rockwell High School, and, and which makes some sense. I mean, that's in that area. And then uh, their starting tight end, Ethan Hall, was a linebacker, so they have that in common with Ohio State. They also have a tight end who was a linebacker.
2: So there's your fun facts for the week. Tulsa Cade Stover. Yeah. D- did that receiver play on? At, he, like they were team. He and Jackson Smith and the Jig, but like, were they the two best receivers on that high school team? I don't. He probably was. I think Jackson was like a
0: freshman or a sophomore because he's 2017. So Jackson was probably a freshman playing freshman football unless Jackson was just that good. But he was a little bit of a late boomer. So I don't think they were actually
2: teammates, but they were at the same school for at least a year. If we still did, this is a thing that newspapers kind of did in the old days where you do like an opponent feature when you do a player, a story on the player from the other team. And then once we got digital stuff and we could track what people read Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Now, if we were in the age, if this was 12 years ago, we'd be killing the, hey, the guy who taught Jackson Smith the Jigba how to be a receiver in high school now plays for Tulsa. But guess what? After you read that sentence, the, ne- the next 700 words, nobody cares. You care about your team. Nobody cares, which is why I probably should go back to knowing nothing because it's Good more tweet. reflective. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, hey, guess what? Jackson Smith the Jigma and Sam Crawford Jr. played high school football together. Retweet, tweet.
2: We tweet. We tweet. We tweet. Cool. Move on. Honestly, the way newspapers used to cover stuff.
1: Oh, uh, no wonder they died. It's no. I was literally about to say like it's one of the like tragedies to like we always complain people my age, your age, older. Like oh, remember when we used to have all these people. Like look at how much newsrooms have shrunk, etc. But like the things that we chose to do with the people we had back then was lunacy and it, it is exactly why they are why the industry is where it is
2: hey what's your uh, what's your ohio state story today on wednesday for the paper on wednesday what's your story oh uh tulsa guy put jackson smith the jigba cool that seems like a great story you think 11 people will read it god <sighs> send people to wimbledon you know when people in cleveland want to read about they want their columnists to be in wimbledon oh What's that cost like nine thousand dollars to send a guy from Cleveland to go write about some guy from Serbia hitting a tennis ball across an ocean? Oh yeah no, we got plenty of money. Ads, man that's never going away. Ads it's like hey, hey cool we, we stopped at McDonald's on the way home from uh, Maryland. Is that cool? It's like oh just supersize I don't know, don't supersize. Oh times have changed. no, I'm just kidding they don't they don't give us trouble on our expenses because we're frugal responsibly and because so. of
1: the text and because of the text 614-350-3315 thank you su- if- every everyone who signs up means that Doug gets to supersize once this season
2: this is this is so I trick McDonald's though because this is the whole thing they have the dollar drinks we're doing this for an hour you think we can talk about Tulsa for an hour we're doing this this is old school Buckeye sock. no football the dollar drinks are designed to lure you in for the high-priced food you know how many times a day I drive through McDonald's and get two large diet cokes for one dollar a piece? No food. I'm winning. I'm winning McDonald's.
0: I don't get why if every single size is a dollar, why you have multiple sizes? Just have a, a cup.
1: If well, you want, just... when you because you don't get the large drink with the value meal. It doesn't. You have to upgrade still on the value. <laughs> oh. meal. See the worst. See, yeah. there used to be a time when like the value meal was a value, and now every time I yeah. get and actually order a value meal, and then I pay for it and then i think man i'm an idiot but if you want to do a psychological study because we were talking about psychological studies on the last podcast
2: go to mcdonald's when every size is a dollar and see how many people walk up and say i would just like a medium drink and they get the medium size. like oh. well i can't drink the large it's like what but, are
1: you talking to throw it away why? but the yes. opposite <laughs> has happened the opposite has happened because now they've gotten away from the dollar drinks and the other day i was in there killing no. time before interviews
2: they, they, they got away from the dollar drinks.
1: The one oh, on oh didn't have uh, a dollar drinks when I was in there the other day. Well, they didn't have dollar larges, and I started automatically order a large, but I was going to be sitting in the, in the lobby there to drink it. Oh, right. And I was like, wait a second. I don't need a lot. Am I paying a dollar 39 for large? I'm going to pay a dollar for a small and just walk over there. And I have not I run
2: across that. They, But there I'm waiting for them to start call, charging $7 for large. And I'm going to be so programmed already. It's going to be too late. Um, so Tulsa. Yeah. that Chandler that Chandler is a snarky jerk. I'll tell you. All right. We'll talk about, uh, there's something else I want to talk about. I'm wondering how empty Ohio stadium might be on Saturday. We'll do that next on Buckeye talk. We'll get to our picks at the end. Doug, Nathan, Steven have our textures. They're making picks as well. We're going to talk a little bit about Indiana, Cincinnati, talk a little bit about Penn state, Auburn, two best big 10 games this weekend. Um, Ohio state admitted that it had problems with getting people in the stadium on Saturday. And I have referenced this before I won't keep referencing it again, but like 2008, they lose at USC and it's very similar 2006, 2007, they reached the national title game, right? 2008, all everybody's back. A lot of high expectations. They go to USC, they lose, they get blown off the field. And it's like, well, that's it for a fan base that the previous two years had been accustomed to a team that was playing for the national title. Right now, we have a team that made the playoff the last two years. Frankly, should have made the championship game both years. The fan base is conditioned to follow a team with national championship aspirations, and they just lost. Now, it doesn't mean they're gone, but I am very curious given the trouble they had with some of the logistics last week, given COVID, given their defense is not very good right now, This is the cheapest face value ticket of the season at 63 bucks face value. If you go on the resale sites right now, there's a lot of tickets available for less than $63. It doesn't mean that people have given up on Ohio state, right? It's kind of a one-time thing. There's going to be people at the Penn state game. I'm not trying to make a bigger deal about it than it is, but for this snapshot, Nathan, in 2008, that was the emptiest I ever saw Ohio stadium that weekend after the loss to USC. I'm very curious, given all the things I just said, what kind of crowd we might see on Saturday.
1: I think it's telling that last week, Ohio state was really pushing to get the number like, Hey, we're 10,000 short. We need to get people there. I think they thought that was like a manageable number that they could maybe close the gap on. We haven't heard a peep from them this week about trying to get more people to the game.
2: Yeah. So like, like it's, I I think there's a decent chance that we're going to look out there, Steven, and you look at we're at the press box, we're at the very high level, We're at the same level as like C-Deck. And you sometimes if like you just look out and there's not a lot of people up there. It is just a weird sensation for that to be the case. This is a hundred thousand plus stadium for one of the great programs in college football. And we have become accustomed to that place being packed. And it's just a little weird when it's not.
0: Um, And I don't know how much the loss Has as much to do with this specific one. It
2: matters a little bit, but it's also. I disagree with that. People get very sad after a loss. But
0: it's but it's also the additions of like there's a lot of construction going on, so it's annoying to get to Ohio Stadium right now. You mentioned the new way that they're doing. It's all this other stuff, and we lost. I'm definitely not going to the game this time. I I feel like some of this logistical stuff they could have used last year to try to figure out, since it was only parents in the stadium. So that's on Ohio State for not doing that. The loss only magnifies the issues that already exist from a logistical standpoint i think
2: from the 614 my daughter is a student and it was her first game she said it was scary people were pushing to get inside she saw some people fall and get hurt it seems they were lucky there weren't serious injuries injuries she's only been to one game previously with us and she didn't really remember getting in she thought maybe this was normal i assured her it was not from the 440 The game experience at Ohio State is so poor. I was in C-Deck last week. It took forever to get in. You have to walk a mile to get to your seats. Couldn't even get to concessions because the line for so long. Won't be going again. 180 bucks for that. They should be ashamed, to be honest. From the 7-4-0, voted no on whether I would go to the game. It has nothing to do with the opponent. It's a lose-lose game to be in at person. Ohio State will either have a blowout, and I would leave early to beat traffic, or they let Tulsa hang around long long enough. I wouldn't want to stay, and then I would leave early. Add in the COVID risk, and it's easy to stay away. From the 216, I went to the game not necessarily significantly slower to get in, but older people in line had trouble with the tech and having the ID bar up. That's not an OSU. That's a fair thing from the 216 to say. From the 614, my mom and I went to the game. She is in a wheelchair and is unable to walk. Walking behind the south end zone with all the students piling up was a nightmare because the walkway was pretty much blocked. People were walking in grass and over uneven terrain to get around. And through it, but she isn't capable of doing that. So I had to poke and dodge her way through just to get to the seats and then back to the transportation home. That south end zone where the gates are for students was pretty horrific. From the 678, we had a party of six for the Oregon game. Absolutely no trouble scanning the tickets, not even much of a wait in line. Staff seemed available to help with any issues from Steve in Atlanta. That's another good perspective to have. From the 419, very hard getting in. Took my dad, who was 74 with a pretty bad back issue. Basically stood still outside our gate for 40 minutes. Was not sure he would make it. Also took ibuprofen for him. Went to get water beginning of the second quarter. Missed the whole quarter because the concessions were completely out of water. From the 360, hey, Doug, I went to the game last weekend. I live in the Portland area. I had no issues getting in, but I also coordinated selling 120 tickets to our alumni club. I did not like the fact that they charge different prices based on the opponent. Our alumni tickets were $170 each. I think they should, they should, they would have had a sellout if they had been cheaper. We were happy just to get tickets, but then you see the prices for Tulsa and you go, what? From the 360. That's very interesting. They went to this several years ago. I actually like tiered pricing because the idea that Oregon costs the same as Tulsa is like, that's not right. And then it all like comes down to luck. So actually, and I would say this. We're not, we're, we're the Buckeye talk. We are who we are. We're not employed by Ohio state. We're not here to tear down Ohio state, especially unfairly, but we're reading different people had different experiences and Ohio state itself admits there were problems last week. There's an opening here. And I've said this in the past. I grew up in Pennsylvania. The only time I went to a Penn state game is when nobody else wanted to go because my family was not going to be able to get tickets that were expensive. If someone offers you a ticket this week, if you can get a ticket for 30 bucks, go. They'll get it figured out, right? If you've never gone, there's an opening here. I would encourage people who have never been to Ohio Stadium or maybe have been once or twice, but feel like for the most part, they're priced out because the good games are 180 bucks and the concessions and the parking and everything else, this is your game. It's the same reason I tell people to go to the spring game. If you've never gone or rarely go, go. If you go all the time, I might sit this one out. Right. This is I don't know what they're going to give you. And it's not a guarantee they're going to have everything figured out. And the covid thing is still the covid thing. But there's not many times, I don't think, where you're going to be able to go on one of the resale ticket sites and find tickets for less than face value. And you can find that right now. So this is the game that Little Dougie would be going to. In 1982, this is Little Dougie's paradise. Cause little Dougie didn't go to Oregon, Ohio state little Dougie went to a lot of Penn state name that Mac school, right? Those are the, and I just went to Penn state because that was, I grew up in Pennsylvania. That was a state school. That was a big football program. That's where you went. I grew up 10 hours, two hours from Penn state. So for, and you know what? I didn't complain when I was in there. You think I was complaining? <laughs> What's the deal with Eastern Michigan? I was like, hey, I'm at a football game. So go, but others don't go because <laughs> I think it might stink. Nathan, what do you think?
1: Um, I, I, first of all, I want to say um, whoever out there is really good at Photoshop. If you could send me the poster for the rejected children's show, Little Dougie's Paradise, that's uh nbaird <laughs> at Cleveland.com or find me on Twitter at N.W. Baird.
2: Um, no, I, I have right. just as a I have a little Dougie voice that I do around my house. That's all good. the time that I have kept off the pod to this point. If we get desperate Akron week, it's in my back pocket. Sorry, go ahead. Uh,
1: I, I, it, it is, you know, it, I, I understand what the what the text was saying as far as if the prices had been lower, they would have had a sellout. And that's an interesting juncture that Ohio State is at for a game like that Oregon game where they are balancing kind of giving up the sellout in order to recoup more ticket sales overall, right? Um, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's you've an got a maximum, juncture.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, if you sell whatever, you sell ninety thousand tickets for a hundred and eighty dollars a piece, or you sell a hundred thousand tickets for a hundred and twenty dollars a piece, you still make more money the first way, even though you have ten thousand fewer people there.
1: Right, and it's that's the that's the issue, and they have to recoup funds. They have to this year, like that. That's all that kind of matters is they have to put finances first because of the hit that they took last year. So. Uh, it, but it's, it's also
2: not new. This is I mean, this is the pricing structure they would have said right. years ago. This was this was an ex- Oregon was an expensive game. Tulsa's the cheap. Tulsa's even cheaper than Akron, because I think they figure I think it's like five dollars cheaper than Akron because Akron's in state and people might care a little bit extra. If you're an Akron fan, right. Right.
1: This is a great There'll time to another, go to the yeah. show.
0: There will be just as many um, Akron parents as there will be Ohio State parents because most yeah. of those kids yeah. live here. So, yeah, Do- that makes sense.
1: Decent uh, Oregon crowd actually last week. I thought you definitely saw some big patches of green in Ohio Stadium last week. I would not expect a big traveling contingent for Tulsa.
2: From the nine eight oh, I was at the game last week. Got to the shoe at eleven thirty. Normally, plenty of time to watch the band, national anthem, etc. We waited in a mass of hundreds of people to get in. Missed the opening drive and got in at about twelve twenty. I'll add the mass group of hundreds of people was more harmful COVID wise than just having paper tickets. It was such a fail. I live out of town and I'm having a hard time selling my tickets for Tulsa and Akron, both listed online for below face value. From the 267 is season ticket holders from the Philadelphia area. Our perspective changed after the Oregon loss regarding the commitment it takes each weekend. This is interesting. This would be an interesting story at some point. Season ticket holders who live far away who it's one of those, a lot of people, I think maybe you're, you're a student or you start off and you have a job in Columbus, you're from Columbus and you get the season tickets and then you don't want to lose them and you move, but you keep them and you say, well, we'll try to get back for four or five games a year, but if they're not that good, what's the point? I'll just take the loss, try to sell them online. It's still worth it to me, you know, to be able to go to the Michigan game and make sure I have a seat, go to the best games, continuing from the 267. Our perspective changed after the Oregon loss regarding the commitment it takes each weekend. We shifted from planning on attending five of seven games to now two of seven games, Oregon and Penn State. A Big Ten championship opponent that is a worthy one might sway us, too. In comparison, we attended seven total games in 2019 with over 6,000 miles driven. Attending back-to-back losses, Bama in the national championship and now Oregon, makes it tough to justify this year. It's a fluid situation but it isn't looking promising. I'm getting some 2018 vibes with our expectations. This is very interesting to me. My gosh, this is valuable to us to have you guys in the tech subscription as our focus group. From the 414, drove in from New Jersey for the game last week. We entered through the Northwest Gate around 1130. It was crowded and slow, but didn't feel much slower than past years when they manually patted everyone down. You'd think the technology would make it faster though. We're driving in again tomorrow and paying the 63 bucks for Tulsa. At least we'll see a win this time. And this is the thing. This is one of those things. I think it's interesting to get all perspectives. There's no consensus here. Like you couldn't write a story that's like all fans angry and staying home. You couldn't write a story that was like all fans think it's fine. No big deal for tickets. Like it's people are viewing this different ways based on their experience. But I think Nathan, the idea that, and I don't know this for sure. And I I would ask, we should ask this sometime? My impression over 17 years of this, I think people get frustrated with the parking. Sometimes you get doinked around, I think, with your parking passes as season ticket holders. And there are times, listen, they're going to get you sometimes. They're going to get you. And if you're loyal, they're going to know that. They're going to push it on how much they're going to hit you for because they know you'll kind of pay anything. So I'm not. I'm not making light of that. I know that big corporate football sticks it to the fans a decent chunk of the time. I understand that. But I do think – Most of the time, it's a good game day experience at Ohio State. There's a load to do outside the stadium. I've always been impressed with how many people Ohio State has directing traffic compared to when you go to other games. You will go to other games, and it's like you get to Michigan State, and there's like one guy in a field. He's like, ah, park over there if you want. At Ohio State, they don't let you go one foot the wrong way most of the time. Oh, yeah. And then you you get the skull session. You get the best damn band in the land right? It's, it's a historic stadium. You can feel that, right? I think it's usually a game day experience. So Nathan to hear sort of any people talking about a somewhat negative game day experience, I think is unusual.
1: I think it's unusual too. That's not like we get a lot of complaints that we hear it. You know what I mean? From the fan base, at least the couple of years I've been here, I haven't heard that. And I've, I've had the same reaction as you that when I'm walking around outside the stadium, Um, there is a there does seem to be order to the chaos in some ways you know what i mean and there still was in some of the things that i encountered like i went over to the the hotel got there right as the team was coming down the steps then sort of waited for them later they were cordoning off a place for the team to walk through so some of those sort of things are still going on the way they're supposed to and it sounds like one of the reasons why there was some variance in the response you were getting is because I think it mattered which gate you were trying to go through a right. little bit that day. So I would say to people who are ready to throw their hands up, I guess it's kind of like with the team almost. It's like, okay, they messed the bed a little bit last week. Now what happens this week? Like, is it a pattern or was it a one-off catastrophe? And, and, and one touchdown loss isn't a catastrophe. You know what I'm saying?
2: Oh, no, no. It's a catastrophe. You can say that. OK, we're, getting, uh, we're now it's Friday. We're going to pretend the last week hasn't been a
1: catastrophe. <laughs> oh, by the way, no big deal. They're fine. That's well, not, not, I don't I, think that's where we are. It's a football, a football catastrophe.
0: Well, yeah, yeah of to, 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 to compare it to CJ Stroud. Listen, they haven't done this in a while. OK, yeah. give them some time and develop. It's the first time that these electronic tickets have thrown a pass in a game. OK, it's going to look iffy. It'll get what? better. Or what if, you could just freak out and ask for them to bring back the five-star paper tickets or the perfect did. rate of the per- paper tickets.
1: But they did do the e- electronic stuff last year, I think, for the people who actually came to the games, I think.
0: What yeah, but had... it's, one thing, it's one thing to do it for uh, 125 oh, yeah. parents versus 100,000 random fans who are also probably not completely coherent to everything that's happening.
1: But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how Ohio State could have, like, better game-tested it because – they yeah. didn't have that option. It's
2: not like yeah. we we understand why they had issues. It's is the first time they tried this with this many people. Although I do like yeah. if you noticed right there, Steven blamed it on drunk fans. By the way, Steven's like, well, you're drunk and you're trying to get a code scanned. What if they had every continuing the CJ Stroud ticket analogy? What if what if at every gate on Saturday there's someone trying to scan the tickets? And at every gate, they have like some guy saunter up with like this blonde yeah. mullet. And it's like, hey. Take a kombucha. Let me help you with those tickets. And it's like the Quinn viewers of ticket taking at every gate. Um, this this, I this I like from the <laughs> 708. This is something I would say. Because I did ask people, would you go to the game for a $63 ticket? If you get a $63 ticket face value, would you go to this game? If you lived in the Columbus area, it was fairly easy. We'll get to that result in a second. From the 708, I voted no on going to the game. But I'm actually going to the game. <laughs> I wouldn't do it, but in reality, I'm going to do it. Love it. And this I is love why, people. <laughs> and this is why though, from the seven Oh eight, this is why this is what I'm talking about. Continuing. It's the best opportunity to make the trip to Columbus and take my son to his first Buckeye game. And I'll tell you what, he does not care that it's Tulsa. He does yep. not care that Kerry Combs is beleaguered. He doesn't care that they lost last week and he doesn't care if the ticket scanners were a little problematic. He's going to the shoe, man. That's worth it. That's great. I love that. I, I just would encourage all these other people to do the same thing if you haven't done it. This year is Outback Bowl 2022 for the Buckeyes from the 813. Also that, get ready to go watch in person the future Outback Bowl participants. They're not really gonna, they're not really really have that. What else? I think, uh, okay, from the 404, flew from Atlanta to go to the game. The logistics were a disaster. It took us 45 minutes to get into into gate 22A. No staff was there to ensure orderly procession. Then you had people who had to knife through the line sideways to get to the south stands. I can't believe they had that almost two years to plan, and that was the best they could do. Inside the stadium, the lines for concessions and restrooms were easily 15 minutes plus. I left at halftime to get a drink and go to the bathroom and took so long. I missed the 77 yard touchdown run. Oh, and they ran out of cold beer. So they were serving warm beer, just a total disaster. It was as if it was as if someone came to the athletic department on Thursday of that week and said, Hey, you have to host a football game on Saturday, which is like, not at all what they do. They plan this stuff to within an inch of its life. They have meetings about meetings at Ohio state, right? Which is, I'm just saying like, it's, it's surprising that they got caught in this situation. Um, from the 614, I just got two tickets off Ticketmaster for twenty dollars each. Insane. I usually only catch a game in the shoe every few years and I went last week, but who can pass up that price? Plus, I had never been to a loss before and so I gotta get that taste out of my mouth. Okay, I, I think we've covered the, I'm intrigued by it. I'm not rooting for Ohio Stadium to be empty but it, it is an interesting. Feeling because Nathan again, I'm not like you covered a football team where they played in a half-empty stadium a lot, oh
1: yeah,
2: and that's just not how it is here.
1: No, I mean that that was I, I covered that team at a juncture where apathy was like the was just dripping off of everything around that team, and uh, no, that that's definitely not what you have here. So I think again, it's just an interesting convergence of of. Um, The realities of technology and the realities of economy and then the realities of um, the uh, inevitable sort of eventually hitting the football team, which is just having that bad performance. And all three of those things then converging before a game that is like the least attractive game on the schedule. I'm I'm also intrigued by just how empty it's going to be in that stadium and what Ohio State's response will be to that. Because, again, I think part of the response will be that's just what it is, at least on the economic side of it.
2: And again, I, we're doing Ohio State a favor talking talk about this stuff because I'm telling you to go. I'm telling you to go if you don't usually go. Steven, did you ever attend an Ohio State game like as a as a young man growing up in the Columbus area? Like I said, I barely um, went to any games when I was a kid growing up.
0: No, I went to spring game and then I went to a, pra- a, a, a practice they had in Ohio Stadium at night one year. Not as a kid, but in college, I was at the 2016 Michigan game because I'm in college, so you know other college kids who can help you. But
1: not before I was 18. I'd never been yeah. to a game before. More of a Capital University guy growing up. <laughs> no, I
0: didn't go to those either. It's, just, it's really hard to get Ohio State tickets, man. It's, no, I know. It's not an easy thing. Especially, back then, it's, it's probably easier now because of technology. But in 2006, it was nearly impossible if you didn't have season tickets to get to a, get to a game.
2: I felt like growing up as a kid, again, my it's, my, it's the same experience for me. It's just that it was Penn state instead of Ohio state. I mm-hmm. felt like you had to know like a spy. I was like, how do people get those? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, they're playing Eastern Michigan and they were everywhere. And it was like, oh, <laughs> the, the spies aren't going this week. I guess the regular people can go. <laughs> I'm going to go and like eat a sub at a tailgate and sit in a giant stadium and yell. I don't care. That's enough. One time, Penn State people, though, they do yell. I went to a pit. It's like one of those things. Then you get a stray game somehow that you wrangle that's actually decent. I went to a, a Penn State pit game, and the Penn State fans yell, poop on pit. But it's the word that rhymes with pit. And I was, like, I was like nine. I couldn't believe they were yelling it. It's a Spit? chant. That's worse than that even. It's worse than sit. I couldn't believe it. Shocking. That's uh, next week on Little Dougie's Paradise. <laughs> Little Dougie grows up in Beaver Stadium when it's he dark. hears a chant he's never heard before. It's worse than sit, but it's pretty close. I, like a wonder years kind of thing. Little Dougie, early 80s. They already done it. I wouldn't mind being the main focus of a TV show, though. I could, think I could, I could swing that. Play myself.
1: Play myself as
2: nine-year-old Dougie. I went to the airport. <sighs> Mm-hmm. I did. I mean,
1: like, do you ever see the, the Louie Anderson TV show? Like Louis Anderson is like one of the weirdest kind of look. I think he's great. He, uh, he's done some great work, but like he used to have this show where it was like just him as a little kid with him doing the voice. And it was like the creepiest thing I've ever yeah. seen.
2: There's this show now called pen 15. That's really good. That it's like grown women who are playing themselves as middle school students. So, like everybody else is a middle school. Oh, it's student, so good. And they're like, great they're show. like 30, but they're being in middle school, but it's a great show. So it's the I version of that. He's 48. He's playing a nine-year-old. Nobody's watching. Um, I went to the – and listen, it's one of those things. I don't think people actually get mad about this stuff. It's like I rooted for the team in the state I grew up in. I, I didn't grow up in Ohio. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I didn't control that. But, like, I went to the airport when Ohio – when Penn State won the national championship in 1982 because they the airport they used was in Harrisburg, and I was only, like, half an hour from Harrisburg. So I went and stood, like, at the fence when they landed on the tarmac after they beat uh, – who'd they beat? That was Miami. No, in 82, they beat Georgia. No, who'd they beat? Georgia? In 86, they beat Miami. Anyway, little oh, Dougie, yeah. little Dougie coming to Peacock right after Kyle McCord, middle linebacker. All right, we'll come back and make our picks next on Buckeye Talk. 614 350 for the texts. We've been bad on the picks. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I wish we were better. We're not. By the way, would you go to the game? The face value for an Ohio State Tulsa ticket is $63. Would you pay $63 to go to the game this weekend if you lived in the Columbus area? Nathan, what do you think won? Yes, I would go, or no, I would not go for
1: $63. I think yes, won.
2: Steven, who do you think won? Yes or no?
1: Yes. It's a pretty cheap ticket.
2: 60 40 yes. Not by much, but 60 40 yes.
0: This would have been a good weekend for a student appreciation game, honestly.
2: Because students have literally nothing better to do. Well, nothing productive to do. What? What if um, I'm trying to think here? So tickets are sixty dollars. What about this gesture? Hundred thousand tickets times sixty three. That's uh, six million three hundred dollars. What if Ryan Day was like last week wasn't good enough? This game's on me. <laughs> Like, what if he had that? You know how you always do the math wrong and you forget the zeros? What if Ryan Day was like, listen, it's like half a million dollars. I make a lot. It would be a great goodwill gesture. I'm just going to buy everybody's ticket. And then he like told Jesus, he's like, I'm buying everybody's ticket. And they're like, okay. And then he got the bill and it was like $6,300,000. He was like, I thought it was $630,000. It's like, dude, you miscounted the zeros. That'd be a good story. Ryan, (laughs) Ryan, did you consider buying everyone's ticket for this game? All right, so 24 and a half point spread. 72% of the texters are given the points. 28% taking the 24 and a half. The over under is 61. 83% taking the over. <laughs> yeah. Even how the defense played, I think the over I think the over under could be 90 and people would yeah. be taking the over That's right me. now.
1: Ohio state might have more than 61 points themselves. <laughs> Through 2 weeks, the only pick that anybody's gotten right is Doug and I had the under last week. That's the only thing we've actually been correct about.
0: What was the score last week?
1: 35 30. to 28. And so it was under and it was 64 I think was the over. So we
2: were under. Our big win was we were, we hit the under by a half a point or a point. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Man, this is hard to figure. I'm trying to figure out what my pick is. It is a little hard to piece together Man. All right, I'm going to go last. Nathan, what's your score?
1: You know, I I didn't really try to like um, decipher, like cipher this thing out. Um, I'm just saying Ohio State 53 to 10. I think they come back a motivated team. It's not just the defense. I mean, the defense played worse than the offense last week, but I think this whole team feels the loss. You know what I mean? And feels compelled to come back and prove itself this week. And I think you're gonna you're gonna see that juice. You're gonna see them probably take it a little bit deeper into the second half than they might normally. And um, so I just kind of pulled those numbers out of the air. Uh, so I'm saying 53 to 10, which would cover the spread and go over.
2: Okay. Give the points, take the over. Steven, what you got? 58 to 24. And some of the, not all
0: those points are at Ohio State's defense. has still not gotten itself together. And, you know, this is a game for some reason in the first half. It's more at some point the second stringers are going to play and Tulsa might randomly popping in the end zone a couple of times because of that. So, but Ohio State's offense is going to do whatever it wants to one, because it needs to go out there and do whatever it wants to for the rest of this year, even if it is just Tulsa this week. So 58, 24.
2: I do wonder some of the stuff, this is like a get healthy game. I wonder if they will play the starters a long time, or they're still a rotating so many guys. Like they'll play familiar guys and then use Akron as the let's play the subs the whole second half. Cause I think they've got some stuff to work out. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, they're, they're playing like 18 guys on defense. So I'm curious to see how they handle that. I'm in that range. I'm 48, 24. So I'm basically practically the same as Steven, just 10 points fewer for the Buckeyes. That is uh, three overs, and that is three examples of, no, I'm not. I'm not. God, I did it by accident.
1: No, well, the over is 61, isn't it?
2: I know, but I'm, I'm taking he's Tulsa. Yeah, I'm taking Tulsa. I'll take Tulsa. Oh, you're taking Tulsa. Okay. I'm doing this because Chandler is such a snarky jerk, and mm-hmm. if he's going to be a jerk, then I'm going to stand with the fighting dust bowlers. What's their name? I don't know who they are.
0: The Golden Hurricane, I believe.
2: Are there hurricanes in Oklahoma? Why aren't they the tornadoes? Did they move? Is this like the Utah Jazz? Did the University of Tulsa used to be in Louisiana? Yeah, I was, See, now I'm being disrespectful. They're going to put I, this on a bulletin board.
1: It's a, it's a, it's a Tulsa hurricane, which is like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like a Texas like a t- around, no. Yeah, like you a, don't even know
2: what it means. <laughs> I, really, like a Tulsa Mark Sanchez? I mean, it's not like a real. It's like, but it's like a Tulsa hurricane. We're so disrespectful. I don't mean to be disrespectful. It's just it's I mean Tulsa's getting a lot of money. They'll be fine. Good luck to Tulsa. What's their mascot? That's the real question. No, the Golden Hurt. Well, yeah. Oh, how does that How does their mascot come like to life? Vein.
0: Yeah. Captain Kane is their mascot.
2: Captain Kane? Well, is he a, is he a giant chicken finger?
0: No, he's a giant tornado. <laughs> Honestly, oh, we're not- Wait, no, he's not. Oh my lord. Hold on.
2: This we are no at mystery. the point where if they if they just came out and there was a giant chicken figure running around, that would make more sense.
0: Look I up Captain K. Okay, look up Captain Kane when you get a chance. This is no, describe most, it. Describe it. He looks like um a, a <laughs> you ever um he looks like you know those children's uh, cartoons on like PBS. Yeah. He looks that like little a Duckie's superhero- Playhouse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks like one of those
2: superheroes. It's so bad. Hi, everybody.
1: It's just, That's my Mickey Mouse voice. He We're looks like someone.
2: Hurricane.
1: He looks like just, someone from one of those movies about like regular people who think they're superheroes <laughs> and like make their own costumes.
2: His thigh muscles are ridiculously weird. It's so disrespectful. We don't mean to be. We're just grasping at straws. We've just talked about how bad the defense is for four days, and we don't have anything else to say. Let me let me do say this. By the way, we have had two sessions of interviews since we last did a podcast. I did. I attended neither of them but you guys were there to talk to offensive players on Wednesday night. And then Ryan day had his lightning round on Thursday. Nathan, how did anything that you absorbed from a little bit of Ryan day and a little bit from the offensive players affect your view of where Ohio state is and trying to get back to something good on Saturday?
1: Well, I mean, Ryan day today still just keeps hinting this today, as in Thursday, when we're recording this, the day we talked to him, definitely hinting that something is coming on defense, but wasn't being specific. He said that, they were going to wait until after practice and then decide who was going to call plays. But he did say that they're probably making a change as to where people are. And as we talked last week, Kerry Combs has been on the sidelines ever since he came back to be defensive coordinator. I would, the way he talked, I would expect him to be in the box this week. Now, I, what are the world now? How many people can be in the box? Isn't there, you can only have certain a certain number of people actually up there on the headset. I think you well, he can he's have multiple people with up him there, though. but, yeah, I think you can have other people up there, but only certain people could be on the headset, something like that. So it could would both him and Barnes potentially be up there, or do you have to have no, Barnes down? I would,
2: I would imagine the point is if if Combs goes up, Barnes comes down, and they switch spots. What so other assistant coaches are
0: up there though? Because but I, you Al can Washington's on the field. Okay, I mean, I was because Al Washington's on the field, and so is obviously Larry that's is on the field yeah. as well. So you can, I
2: think you can have two up there, but yeah, maybe there's headset stuff. I don't really know, but I think they've had multiple guys on the same side of the ball in
1: the box before. So but anyway, that's that was like the biggest change that he would even come close to confirming. He also talked about um, confirming some speculation been out there as far as Ryan Watts. We talked about that earlier this week, getting some time at safety. Court Williams um, was another guy. He mentioned in free safety as we had talked about him earlier this week, although I saw him coming off the practice field the other day. And it looked like he I don't want to start a thing. I just looked like he was walking a little weird, but it could have just been. My imagination. That he tore but it his my... ACL.
0: Yeah. No, no,
1: don't, don't say that. Edit no, that out. God. You can't. No, 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 no. Not oh, like recently. Oh,
0: oh. Like, like he's yeah. coming off of a torn ACL, <laughs> and so he's not walking the same as he was before. <laughs> it looks more like a,
1: yeah, like a like shuffling his feet than limping. That's all I, I was all That's... I was saying there. But it did make me for a moment wonder, like, oh, is this why maybe he hasn't played as much? But we'll see how that plays out. And then uh, you drop Marcus Hooker's name as someone who could be rising back into the free safety conversation. So. Um, I'm still really eager to see what they do with that long-term. I would imagine that the people who were playing there last week are not the people that they would assume are going to be the best options for that on Thanksgiving.
2: Okay. Two more games of interest. Cincinnati is at Indiana. Cincinnati is favored on the road by three and a half. Penn State home favored by five over Auburn. I found a There's an interesting Tom Allen quote this week that he was talking about how good Desmond Ritter is for Cincinnati and what a run threat he is and that he stayed healthy. And he said, that's hard to do. And Michael Penix, unfortunately, Michael Penix is actually not does not run that much. He runs 10 percent as much as Desmond Ritter runs. But Michael Penix had his previous two seasons ended by injuries, shoulder injury in 19, torn ACL in 20. And maybe he's not quite back to himself yet, but it felt like Tom Allen in that quote. And I didn't listen to the press conference. I read the transcript. I don't know what his inflection was, and as we've discussed on Buckeye Talk, inflection matters. Inflection matters. So I, he's the red to me is a little bit wistful of like, man, they have Desmond Ritter, he's awesome, and he stayed healthy, and like my guy's not himself. So I think Cincinnati wins this. They're very similar in a lot of ways, actually. I mean, they're only 150 miles apart. Like they are really similar programs, just in terms of like sort of doing what they really haven't done with defensive-minded head coaches who are kind of getting after it, but then they've got some talented guys on offense to pull it all together. I think Cincinnati wins this somewhat easily. I would give the three and a half pretty easily. And it makes me think it's, you know, like that's like, uh, to to me a little bit, it's like, oh, I wonder what Cincinnati would be like if they were in the Big Ten. And I think like what Indiana is doing right now, or did last year and the expectations they had right now, and it's like, I don't know when Ohio State goes to Indiana. Like, I think that's what Cincinnati would be. Nathan. So I think it's a really, I do think it's an interesting game, even though the way Indiana has played so far, it makes it a little less interesting than we thought going into the year.
1: I think if this line was a couple points higher, I think I might still take Cincinnati and that's not where I would have been at the start of the year, but I just think where those two programs are at right now, kind of crossing in the night, I would take, I think Cincinnati minus three and a half is pretty safe. Um, But I also do wonder if Cincinnati really is going to take Indiana's place somewhat in the program that will then complain about the goalposts being moved because if Indiana kind of continues on this sort of middling trajectory, they won't get as much credit for this win as they otherwise would have. Right.
2: Ditto. Okay. So we're all on Cincinnati. Penn state is favored at home by five against Auburn. Steven, I like it, just it's possible that Penn State's pretty good. Like it's 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 a lot on Sean Clifford. They've got a lot of other parts. Parker Washington was flashing last week. Like I like Parker Washington. We know just Jahan Dotson is like a real dude uh, on the college football playoff show, which I hope you guys, if you haven't ever listened to, we would love to have you give it a chance. It's context of all the best teams in the country. Uh it's me and my co-host there, Shahan Jay Haraja. We do a Tuesday pod that's QA and a Wednesday pod where we welcome new teams to the playoff discussion. We rank everybody who's in the discussion and then we kick a team out at the end. Like, yep, well you blew it. We're not gonna talk about you anymore. So not to give it away, but go listen to the Wednesday podcast. We put Penn state in the playoff discussion because like I thought like, that's not have they didn't have to wait to beat Auburn to impress me. Steven, I think they've looked pretty good. Clifford's not great but he's kind of gotten the job done. There's a formula for that, right? Like that was my I- Iowa State in the playoff formula. Brock Purdy just has to get the job done. He didn't get the job done against Iowa. Spencer Petrus barely threw for any yards in that win over Iowa State for, as Iowa's quarterback, but he kind of did what he was supposed to do. Clifford has weapons. Do what you're supposed to do. It's the kind of thing you say to a young quarterback. He's been there forever, but he's mm-hmm. just got a ceiling. Do what you're supposed to do. There's enough other dudes there. I, I, I do think Penn State might be pretty good. And
0: this is a primetime game with a whiteout, out, and the Auburn gets to be the first team to experience that in two years, which is why it's probably five points and not maybe two and a half to three points. So, yeah, I'll take that. Maybe Penn State's getting back to normal here, along with the hated of the whiteout. Auburn's never been up here before, never been in that environment before. That helps.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, again, as we all know, SCT, SEC teams do not come and do this all that much. Mm-hmm. And Alabama's going to come and do it in Ohio Stadium. But I do think I, I, this is a tell us something game, Nathan. I think we will get a very good read on Penn State out of this game. I think Auburn is the exact right level of team, to give us a read on Penn state. Cause if Penn state takes care of business, it's like, all right, Auburn's good enough that that means something. Right. No. And if, and if you can't, but if you can't beat Auburn, it's like, all right, well you can't beat Auburn. You're going to beat Ohio state. Like you were going to be a real contender. I think this is the right team to test the Nittany Lions.
1: I think Auburn's pretty good too. Actually. I, I was voting them. I'm one of the higher people on them. I think an eight people have them somewhere around 14, 15, I think. Um, Though that doesn't mean anything, but, but, but I think you're right. I think it's one of those games where like if they win, they put some separation between themselves and that level of team. Yes. And then you can be aspirant to a higher level. If you lose, then maybe like, okay, well like maybe you're top 15, 20, but that's probably your ceiling. And I think this is a, a game that tells us something. I like Penn state to win, but I think I would stay away from the five and a half points.
2: Okay. So we all like the Nittany Lions. So I asked the people just straight up who's going to win. Cincinnati, Indiana, 86% Cincinnati. And the Fighting Fickles, 14% Indiana. Penn State, Auburn, 78% for the Nittany Lions, 24% for Auburn. So we're kind of on the same page there, on the same page with our texters. 72% gave the points with Ohio State. 28% took the 24 and a half. 83% take the over. 61 total points over, 17% under 61. we appreciate you guys listening to our preview show We'll be back with the post game it's a 3:30 kickoff on Saturday and I'll just tell you we got some stuff percolating we might have a live thing either before a game or midweek at a place coming up and so we certainly would invite any of our Buckeye talk listeners to join us there when we get this nailed down. But I know we've had some texters asking about, hey, can we have like a texture tailgate? We had one a couple of years ago. We'd love to have one, but we might end up having like kind of like a pregame show at a spot and then people can come and see us there and hang out. So thanks for that. Thanks for like having interest in that. We would, lo- we would love to do it. So I hope we can pull it off. Read cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. Always appreciate your feedback. And make sure you're subscribed, right? Makes it easier if you're subscribed to the podcast. And then 614-350-3315 for the text. See you guys on Saturday. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Lee Maurice. And that was Buckeye Jong.